Good morning. Everybody online, good morning. So welcome. I feel welcome. Um, so looking forward to um, actually kickstarting this new series with you this morning. And um, I, I did the most unthinkable thing that any person on the planet can probably do this week. I read the news. You know, if you read the news, it's like in a split second, it's like so much things gets dumped on you. Not the information, but the fear, the uncertainty, the chaos. And, you know, I just started thinking, but if you and I call ourselves Christians, we've said yes to Jesus, you know that you and I can never, ever be surprised by anything we read in the news. Well, first of all, Jesus said that in this world we'll have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. But secondly, it's because you and I are actually the answer. And so as I was driving down to come to church this morning, you know, it's three days by horseback from Kloof to here. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the car thinking about this this morning, and you know, I realized, but if you and I are the answer, Christ has called us to change the fabric of society. And so my thoughts are running, right? And I'm thinking about fabric. Have you ever had that? How many of you have ever had like a little string in your shirt and then you pull it? And you keep on pulling and all of a sudden the shirt's ruined? You know this idea of fabric? Fabric has strands. It's horizontal and vertical strands that are woven together. And somehow we have this horizontal and vertical thing happening in our world. We have so many things going this way, influencing culture, influencing the way the world wants us to think and the way it wants us to operate. Yet we have this vertical, not horizontal, vertical. <laughs> we have this vertical relationship with the heavenly. And how does the heavenly come and influence culture? And I was thinking, nothing this is in my notes, I was just <laughs> thinking about this this morning. In Matthew 13, Jesus speaks this parable. And in this parable, Jesus speaks about the weeds. He says, in the middle of the night, a man planted, well, a man planted a field, and in the middle of the night, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And they started coming up together. And then when it was time for harvest, they said, Master, must we take out the weeds? And he goes, no, 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 leave them. Leave them. Let them grow together. And it struck me that somehow God is okay with it, that if we live amongst the weeds. The question is just which one is influencing which one? You know, as Christians... So many times, we are so similar to the people of Jerusalem in the Old Testament. Because you see, the people in the Old Testament loved Jerusalem. Jerusalem to them was the city of God. Yeru, meaning city. Shalom, meaning peace. It was the city of peace. Now, you have to remember that for the Jews in the Old Testament in Scripture... Peace was not the absence of the negative. 
It's not because there was no war. We now have peace. See, peace for them was this reference to completeness. The shalom, the peace. Literally, shalom, peace means complete, whole, healthy, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity. It's all these complete concepts. And they really believed that Jerusalem was a reflection of the construct of God. It was only in Jerusalem where you can worship God. That's why they came once a year to bring their sacrifices to Jerusalem. But see, there is another city in the Bible that is an antitype to Jerusalem. And for 450 times, we read about this city, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And this city was called Babylon. And so for the Jews, they hated Babylon. I mean, and then that unthinkable thing happens. The Babylonians actually came and they conquered Jerusalem. And they took the people captive. They broke down the walls, took the people captive, and they brought them all the way to Babylon. And here they find themselves in Babylon and their captors say to them, Hey, we heard you Jews are good singers. Sing us a song. And we can read this in Psalm 137. And they said, And we sat down by the rivers of Babylon where we hang up our harps. And we said, How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Have you heard that song? If you've heard this song, you're too old. If you haven't heard this song, too young. This is from Boney M. You remember that song? By the river itself. There you go. And to them, they, you see, they couldn't believe that they could exercise their spirituality in Babylon. How can I bring my spirituality my, into that space? And, and I think within that context, God challenged them. Just as he wants to challenge us, I believe, this morning. See that we, we don't get to exercise our spirituality just in spiritual spaces. God has called us to exercise our spirituality in the Babylon, in the world, in the news, in that which we read every day. I think Jesus understood this. Jesus prayed this prayer. It's in John 17. It's the longest recorded prayer for us. You remember this? And Jesus prays and he says, Father, I pray for my disciples. I pray for those who you've given me. And this is Jesus' prayer. Jesus says, I pray that you do not take them out of this world. Keep them in this world, but protect them from the evil one. And then Jesus goes into this whole prayer about praying that we will know the truth. Because that's that truth that will set you free. But here in the story, nothing epitomizes this idea of practicing your religion, your faith, who you are in Babylon, like a man called Daniel. And so this morning, we want to kickstart this whole series on the book of Daniel. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. And I want us to look today at probably the greatest prophet to have ever lived. Why do I say he's the greatest prophet? Well, let's just get into it and we'll see. Today I want to ask you, what is the first thing that pops into your mind when you think of the book of Daniel? One at a time, please. <laughs> Maybe you think about Daniel being thrown in the lion's den. If you know that story, that's great. 
Question, do you know why Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? Well, maybe you remember the story of his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, thrown in the fiery furnace. Remember, we had strange names for them when I was a kid. I, we could never remember Shadrach, so we remembered Salsak, Milsak, Apple Yenwuch. <laughs> we know those stories, but the question is, do you know why his three friends were thrown into the fiery furnace? Do you know those stories? You see, the book of Daniel, to me, is probably one of the most exciting books in, in the whole Bible. You see, the book of Daniel is about prophecy. A quarter of all the books in the Bible are books of prophecy. And a lot of those books are kind of predictive, meaning it's written to a specific time. And a large portion of all those prophecies that we read in the Bible has been fulfilled. But no more so than the, book, the prophecies that comes out of Daniel. Most of the prophecies fulfilled today come out of the book of Daniel. And the main subject of the whole book of Daniel, the whole subject of his prophecy is Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming. And another thing is we know more about Daniel the man than we know about any other prophet. Just from this book. Just these 12 chapters. And I want to encourage you to go and read these 12 chapters with us as we start this journey through this. We know so much more about him. I mean, if you remember the story you read in Daniel chapter 1, that Daniel was one of those young men that was taken from exile into Jerusalem. He was probably around 15, some people say between 13 and 16 years old when he was taken. And there was a specific criteria. You had to bring something to the table. You had to be good looking. So Daniel was a smart boy. You had to be handsome. You had to be well built. You had to be, there was like you had to have wisdom. You had to have you know, straight A student, that kind of thing. And they brought these guys into this. And this is where his life starts in Daniel chapter 1. And when, by the end, when we get to Daniel chapter 12, Daniel is about 85 years old. So it tells the span of his lifetime. By the way, how many of you know how old Daniel was when he was thrown into the lion's den? He was probably around 80 years old. Not in his teens, as most of our Sunday school material tells us, right? And the other thing about Daniel is he served under four different kings. First, he served under King Nebuchadnezzar, who you remember the story about how he put out all his dreams, and then, then he served under his son, Balthazar. Remember his story when God wrote on his hand on the wall, you've been weighed, found wanting. And then he served under King Darius. And then he served, lastly, under King Cyrus, and King Cyrus was the the king that actually sent Nehemiah, Nehemiah back to Jerusalem to go and build the story. But, so just as an introduction for us to get this going for our series, I want to just speak to you a little bit about the life of Daniel. And when I read this story of Daniel, there are four things that stood out for me when I was preparing for this and looking at this. And it's four things for me that characterize Daniel's life. See, Daniel was a man of purpose. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel was a man of character, and Daniel was a man of prophecy. See, Daniel was this man of purpose. He understood something about why he was here on earth. That is a great question I want to ask you. Do you know why you are here today? Every person on this planet will have to get to that 
place where they say, why am I here? Daniel understood why he was here. He understood his calling in life. And where did he find his calling? In the Word of God. So let me take you to this chapter, Daniel chapter 9. I'll read here from verse 2. In verse 1, it starts off by saying, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, verse 2, he says, In that first year of his reign, this is now Darius, this third king he's serving in, he says, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet. He was saying, I understood something. So we, we know about Jeremiah. You've heard of him, right? Another prophet. So Jeremiah lived in the same time as Daniel. It wasn't two different timelines. It was more to the end of Jeremiah's time that Daniel's life started. And so he was saying, this is now Daniel saying, I says, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to this prophet Jeremiah. Now you'll see if you read Daniel, he quotes Jeremiah quite a lot. I think that was his famous preacher. That was his famous pastor, right? That's his podcast that he downloaded every Monday to see what, what Jeremiah was saying, right? And so we pick this story up here in Jeremiah 29, verse 1, and it says, This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he's saying, this is now this letter. This is what Daniel is referring to. Daniel is saying, this letter, this scripture, this prophecy has changed my life. And then he gets to this verse in verse 11 in Jeremiah 29, which we all know and we all love. We all have bumper stickers. We all put this on our mirror. We all have this as a screensaver. We've all meditated. I mean, you know this verse, right? Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have. And everybody goes, hey, Jesus has plans for me. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope, a future. He says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. How many of you prayed that scripture? How many of you like that? I mean, you've said that. I, you've told your friends about this. God has a plan for my life. That's awesome. But you know, Scripture is written in context. And sometimes we just take a verse and we go, it's for us. But there's a bigger context to the story. Because you see, there can't be a verse 11 if there wasn't a verse 7. So let me take you to verse 7, the context of how he got to verse 11. In Jeremiah 29, verse 7, he says, Also... Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. See, Daniel understood something from Scripture. That his calling is tied up into where he lives. I remember from when I was a little kid, my grandmother used to tell me this thing in Afrikaans. She said, meaning flower or blossom where you are planted. He understood, yeah, I'm, 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 
I know I'm from Jerusalem. I know that that is the construct of God to worship there. But guess what? I am going to bring this worship into this place. Joshua understood that. Joshua said, every place I set my foot has been given to me. How much authority are you taking into your workplace? How many authority, much authority are you taking into those spaces? I've asked this question before from this very pulpit. How many of you are not from Durban? Not born here, not raised here? Hey, welcome. <laughs> Just like me. I was not born and raised in Durban. But somehow I'm here now. Maybe there was something in God's plan to bring you into a new space so that you can show off His glory. God wants to bring you, that heaven to earth, right into this culture, right into this time and space where you are right now. Do you believe that your calling, your purpose, the plans that God has for you is wrapped up into this city? He says, pray for the city. How, how many of you have prayed for the city? Pray for the peace of the city. Because he says, if the city prospers, you will prosper. Do we understand from Scripture that your prosperity, your well-being is going to be tied up in how well the city does? Or how many of you are just complaining about the city? I, I, I fell into that trap last night. I had to go pick up somebody from the airport last night. It took me three hours to get to the airport because there was a major, major accident on the road. Literally a truck flattened the car. When we drove past, it was flat. And I'm sitting in traffic, only thinking about my own frustration. Of, I've got people waiting for me, yet there's somebody that maybe just lost a family member. How many of us are complaining when we sit in this crazy traffic every day? Or have we started understanding something that maybe God has created a space for you to be quiet and pray? Listen to His voice. Put a Bible thing on your car radio. And how many of us are just complaining about the government? It's the government's fault. Somebody else's fault. Why is this happening? And God is saying, I want to bring you into this space. I think of a, in, in the book of 1 Chronicles, if I remember, there's the story of Jacob's 12 sons, and one of his sons' his names is Issachar. And it says he had the gift of understanding the times. See, when we start studying Daniel, and we're going to look at this as we go through, Daniel understood the times. Do you understand the times that we're living in? If you don't, be like me. Go read the news. You'll see what times we're living in. I mean, it's like God's drawing a line in the sand. He says, you've got to choose. You've got to choose. How are, you going to, are you going to be part of the problem? Or are you going to be part of the solution? Because if you're sitting here today, you're here to be equipped. Because what you hear on Sunday, you'll be tested on on Monday. You're here to be equipped so that you can go take this into the city tomorrow. Have you ever thought about the idea that the job you have right now, wherever you're working was God's grand design to get somebody else to pay you to be in full-time ministry. Have you ever thought about that? 
See, that's, the, that's your space. That's where God's put you, that, that, that workspace, that, that group of friends, that, that, that wherever you are doing life right now, God orchestrated somebody else to pay you to be in full-time ministry. That, that, that means how, how are you looking at your work? We'll see this as we we'll delve into a little bit about Daniel. Another thing that I see about Daniel is that Daniel was a man of prayer. There are several incidents about recorded in the book about Daniel's life, about how he prayed. And um, By the way, I asked you, do you know why Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? It's because he prayed. It's because of his prayer life. His prayer life got him in trouble. That's why he was thrown into the lion's den. Listen to what it says here in Daniel 9 verse 3. It's going on from, from, this, from verse 2 where we just started. He says, So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with Him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth, and in ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God. If you read a scripture like this, what impressions come to your mind? When you hear words like this, pleaded, petition, fasting, sackcloth, ashes. When I read words like this, to me, it communicates a story of a man that's totally dependent upon God. It tells me about a story of a man that's totally in love with Jesus, of his, with his God. It communicates to me about a life of being in relationship with Jesus. And because I'm so in love with God and I cherish this relationship with Him, I just want to spend more time with Him. Didn't we sing that this morning? That door is open. I just want to spend more time with Jesus. And so we read this story in Daniel. And this is in Daniel 6. This is also the story of, of, of in, in the time of King Darius. They put out a decree. And they said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to play... There's going to be a band that plays at random times during the day. Whenever you hear the sound of this band, of this music playing, you must stop whatever you're doing. And you must come and you must bow down to the idol of the king. And so they did. Music started playing. And guess who didn't? Daniel. Daniel didn't bow down to that idol. So they brought him before the king. He says, why, why aren't you worshiping me? Why aren't you worshiping this idol? And here's the thing. You know that a lot of us have idols? Meaning things that we chase. Things we chase in life. Our success. Our prosperity. The things we think we need in life. And those things become idols to us. But the thing is, it's not that you bow down to the idol. Like in this case. It's not that they bowed down to this idol of the king. It says, there was a sound that played. When you hear the sound, bow down to your idol. My question is, what is the sound behind the idols in your life? That could be the news. You read something, oh, I'm fearful. That's the sound. Oh, i got to leave this country, this country, uh -uh, this country. Right? What is the sounds behind your idols? Well, people that are struck in, in pornography. What is the sound behind this? They, they just see something and boom, they're there. People that are struggling with addiction, drugs, uh, you know, just, you know the story. One sip and they back. What is the sound that makes you do certain things? See, the question is, 
Who's the loudest voice in your world right now? Is it this voice or is it this voice? Which one is influencing which one? See, when we use this word prayer, I think it's just our churchy way of saying talk to God. Prayer is nothing more than talking with God. It's the Word of God and prayer. How much time are we spending in this? If we're going to affect our culture, we're going to change the fabric of society, we need Jesus. We need Jesus for every day. I mean, I, I cannot imagine doing a day without Jesus. Can you? So we need His voice. We need to understand what His voice is. And that was what Daniel was saying. My life is going to be tied up into this. And they didn't like it. So what did they do? They threw him into the lion's den. And obviously God saved him and miraculously came through. We're still going to talk about that story in the series. Another thing is, Daniel was a man of character. In verse 3, it says, of Daniel chapter 6, it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set over him the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators, the satraps, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. In his conduct of government affairs, but they were not able to do so, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Twenty years ago, the question was asked, what is the biggest three problems on the continent of Africa? 20 years ago, the top three biggest problems in Africa was clean drinking water, HIV AIDS, malaria. 20 years later, today, do you know what the top three is? Corruption, corruption, and corruption. Clean drinking water, malaria, HIV AIDS, that order. In Daniel, there was no corruption. Isn't it time that Christians take their place in this world again? Where are the Christians in government? Where are the Christians in, in business? Wasn't it so amazing to see this story of baptism this morning? I had a pastor in my church. Before he became a pastor, he was a, a, a businessman. And he owned his own company. I mean, he, he was just very, very successful. And, and people started recognizing something about him as a businessman. Why? Because people would come into his office and he, you know, during the day at random times just to hear him say something. Because this is what he said. When somebody popped their head in, he would always look at them and go, Hi, how can I serve you today? And they just wanted to hear that. Because <laughs> you don't usually hear people wanting to serve you. They want something from you. And he just served people. He loved people. And so... When I got baptized at the age of 15, I wanted him to baptize me, which he did. He said, I want that mantle. There's just a man of, of character. And so we, we're talking about Daniel's character, but it's more about God's character. Because Daniel is just revealing something to us about God's character in him. Because he had this lifestyle of prayer, this lifestyle of scripture reading. He understood that if I am going to affect Babylon... I'm going to affect this space. I need to be a man of character. It says he distinguished himself. The Hebrew word for distinguish himself literally means to glitter 
or to shine. He just shone. He just shone. He was just shining wherever he went. That is why King Darius wanted to um, promote him. When it came to King Cyrus, King Cyrus says, I'm going to promote this man just because he has an excellent spirit. What kind of spirit do you carry into your workplace tomorrow? Oh, it's Monday again. Oh, I can't believe I have to go to work. Because that so-and-so is going to be there. You know that? I, 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 let's just be honest, right? We all do that. Have we prayed for so-and-so? Have we said, this is the Lord's day? You know what? This company is paying me to be in ministry here. I, I got to do something. I'm, I'm going to shine. I'm, gonna sh I'm just going to let Jesus do something here. Because you see, because of Daniel's character, how he lived, he was being considered by King Darius to be charged over all his officials. See, any time any of us are climbing this, this ladder of, of achievement, of advancement, either by God's hand or by man's hand, it, it doesn't matter. It just, from the story, we understand that this world, this anti-God, it just means that it doesn't like us as Christians. Unless you look like the world. Unless you look like them, smell like them. You know, they say that you brighten every person's life. You know that? They say every person brightens a room. Some by coming in and some by leaving, right? My question is, when you leave, what fragrance are you leaving behind? Have you impacted that city? Have you impacted that community? Have you impacted that small group? Have you impacted your family? Have you impacted your bedroom where you spent quiet time with God? What is the impact that you're bringing? So we've got to understand something about the story of Daniel. It's all about how he wanted to influence culture. And in Daniel 6, verse 5, it says, Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. What an incredible point of examination, I believe. Will you be found guilty on your relationship with God? Will you be found guilty that in your workplace that you serve God? Today, we don't want to serve God in our workplace anymore, right? I, I, I don't get it. God has called you into that space. God has called us to be that light bearer. God wants to not only shine His character, but His character becomes your character, and people start asking questions. How? How did you do this? Where did you get this solution from? Where did, why? Because I am just shining. And lastly, I see that Daniel was a man of prophecy. Now, Daniel didn't prophesy. He embodied prophecy. His life was a prophecy. Now, prophecy is just a fancy Christian word for proclaiming. He proclaimed. He just proclaimed what, what God said. He just proclaimed what God said. He just proclaimed what God said. Are you just proclaiming what God says every day? I remember being in a workspace and just reading my Bible in the morning, and I'm like, why is God saying this with me? What did I do wrong? 
you know, I'm just reading them. Like, what now? And then you realize you walk into the workspace and something happens to somebody. Oh, it was for them. It was for them. I used to go to small groups a lot because you know, everybody wants you to come and share at a small group. So I was like, what do you share at a small group? Right? You just share. So I thought, let's make it fun. So I bought two puzzles, about 100-piece puzzles, and they look very similar. they got blue sky. So what I'll do is I'll take two or three pieces from blue sky from each puzzle, and I'll, I'll swap them. <laughs> and then I go and speak at the small group, and I say to the small group, hey, guys, we're going to build a puzzle tonight. Now, I can build a 100-piece puzzle by myself in about 10 minutes. So should you take you guys much quicker? So let's divide the small group into two. Maybe men, women, whatever the case might be. Here's a puzzle for you. Here's a puzzle for you. Build the puzzle. And then all I do is sit back and I listen to the conversation about how they built the puzzle, right? And then they get to the end and, but this piece doesn't want to fit. And like, hey, but this isn't the same color blue. And like, oh, you've got my puzzle. And like, oh, you've got ours. And they look at me, how did this happen? I don't know. Probably the previous small group, right? Oh, and they swap the pieces around and then they, they, they build it in. And then we start talking about how do you build a puzzle, right? What's the first thing you do when you build a puzzle? No. You look at the box. <laughs> and then we talk through scriptures like, you know, in Isaiah 46 where it says, God says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient, you know. God says, that's the end. I make known the end before you started, Right. And we start speaking about what's the next thing when you build, do when you build the puzzle? You build the outline, right? And then we start speaking about scriptures in Corinthians. And we start speaking about God laying a foundation. We sang that song this morning, Christ is my foundation. We start speaking about that foundation. And then, you know, I just talk them through stuff. And you see people building in this corner. Go, I can almost see what it is, but I can't. I'm like, how can you not? Just look at the box. Right? But I can almost see. And then they start building at the other corner, right? And then, and then they go... They get their piece of, oh, okay, that's what it is. And then we start talking through stuff like people saying, you know, if I just, when I just got saved, I wish somebody told me this. Life would have been different. No, it wouldn't. God had to build certain things into your life to you get that one revelation. <gasps> and we, you know, we talk through all these kind of stuff. And then we get to those final pieces. And this was the key. The key is you are sitting with somebody else's puzzle piece. Somebody else's life is not going to be complete. It's not going to be whole. It's not going to be full unless you bring that puzzle piece to them. Unless you prophesy. Unless you bring the word of God. Unless you, you, you bring your life into service for wherever you are. See, the book of Daniel divides itself equally. The first half of the book of Daniel is all about history. Second half of the book of Daniel is all about prophecy. Daniel gives us the skeleton, literally the skeleton to which all prophecy in Scripture is based. Without the book of Daniel, we will not be able to interpret the book of Revelation. Without the book of Daniel, we will not be able to interpret 2 Thessalonians, where he speaks about the man of God. The key is this. And by the way, you cannot believe how many times Jesus quoted the book of Daniel. There's this one verse, <coughs> Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. It says, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Now this is Jesus speaking. It's the verse up. 
It says, spoken through the prophet Daniel. And then this is the only time that Jesus actually adds these words whenever he quoted the Old Testament. Jesus says, let the reader understand. I like the message translation. The message isn't up here, but the message translation of this says, if you've read the book of Daniel, you will understand what I'm talking about. I mean, that's an encouragement for you to go read the book of Daniel tonight. But there's something that Daniel brings. Jesus was quoting this. And the book of Revelation is almost largely an enigma unless we understand this book of Daniel. We, a couple of, um, well, a week or so ago, we spoke about here, we did a training about um, the supernatural and demons and all of that. We spoke about angels. Do you know that we know the story of Gabriel, uh, the angel Gabriel? We know the story of the angel Michael. The first time we ever hear about these guys, the first time they were ever revealed in Scripture was right here in this book, in the book of Daniel. That's where we get to know about them. Daniel has more to say about tribulation and the Antichrist than any other book. Just one chapter, Daniel 11, has more fulfilled prophecy in it than any other book in the Bible. There are so many things. So let me end today by saying this. We haven't even started with the book of Daniel. We haven't even scratched the surface of what this is. So I hope that you'll take this time to journey with us. To get to understand something first about this man that was so sold out to God, but he understood his purpose. He didn't only understand that God called me, he understood where God called me. And so here's my challenge to you today. This week, go be more like Daniel. Go be a man of character, man of prayer. And understand your purpose is tied into everything that you are doing for the city. We listen to the announcements. We listen to Ross. How many of you just shut off when he started speaking about we're going to go plant a tree? How many of you just shut off when you said go join a small group? It's like those are the things that says, hey, let him understand. Understand that there is a calling for you. Let's go bless the city. Can I pray for you? Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for, for people like Daniel, whose life is recorded for us in Scripture, whose life we can learn from and strive to. Because, Lord, we also want to be people of prophecy. Not only by the words that we speak, but by our very lives, our lifestyle, the way we do life. In those spaces, the Babylons, yeah, Father, we thank you for spiritual spaces like this at church. But Lord, take us into this world. Take us into this world. So that we can show, shine on, be more like Jesus. So this world will be hungry again. Lord, when, when the world has this sound, this voice, the, the news, the events of the day, and it creates fear and it creates confusion. Lord, I want to pray, will you bring another voice into this equation? The voice of Jesus Christ through each and every one of us. Every place, Father, we set our foot, we're going to be given. I want to stretch my hands over us as a church, as a congregation, to people listening online. Lord, I just want to stretch my hands out and say, Lord, bless us to be a blessing to the city. 
Father, make open our eyes so that we can understand, so that we can see. Father, give us those words of prophecy, that words of proclamation that will set the captives free, that will loose chains, especially that boss we don't like right now, that coworker, Father, we don't like. We're praying for them right now. We think of them, Lord, how can we be Jesus to them this week? How can we go serve them this week? Father, bless the city so that we may be blessed. I pray for each person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, church.